0: You're listening to episode 24 on today's podcast. I'm sharing what I think habits are of successful bosses So if you are the founder and ceo at your biz This is a must listen because i'm going to be sharing my favorite tips on Embracing your inner boss and really taking the lead at your brand Let's go Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Brave and Boss, the Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Sumer, the founder and CEO of the ethical fashion brand Encircled, host of this podcast, mentor for Marie Forleo's B-School and business coach and proud dog mama. And I am excited that you have decided to join me for this episode. On today's episode, I'm going to be sharing some of my top success habits of e-commerce CEOs. So if you don't call yourself a boss or a CEO, I am going to get to that in this episode because that is definitely one of the habits of top-performing bosses. So before we get into it, I just wanted to give a touch base and see how everybody is doing. It is about mid-April towards the end of the month. If you are in Canada, you are probably likely still in lockdown. I am based in the province of Ontario, and we are in not a great situation right now. We are back in lockdown, and specifically in Toronto – We have been almost in a lockdown since pretty much November. I think we came out of it for a couple weeks and then we went back in. So it's just not a great situation here. So trying to remain positive, keep my team safe, and work on as much content as I can while I'm stuck at home. So good news, bad news, but definitely the podcast will be consistent because there's not a lot to do here right now. And today's episode was really inspired by another episode that I heard on another podcast where they talked about, you know, what are successful habits of entrepreneurs. And I love that episode, but I also think that, you know, e-commerce, if you're not in a drop shipping business and you're not in a digital products business, you're in a physical products business, the habits of successful e-commerce CEOs is very different than entrepreneurs For sure, there are some baseline similarities, definitely, which we'll talk about a couple of them. But to be successful in this business, there's a couple of core things you really need to know. So without further ado, let's get into it and let's talk about some of these things. So one success habit of e-commerce CEOs is they know their numbers. This is so, so critical for e-commerce CEOs. So, you know, you need to know pretty much at all times what's your inventory on hand. What is your year-to-date or period-to-date uh, gross margin? Where are your sales up or down versus last year? What are your costs of advertising spend? You know, what is your average order value? Your number of orders, your new customer, and repeat customer rate, your traffic, your conversion rate. Like those are some of the basics that you want to know. Of course, if you listen to my podcast before, you'll know I track quite a few metrics, but you will need to be in the data because that's how you find solutions. And that's how you identify opportunities even when there isn't a problem, is by looking at the data. So being data-driven is definitely one of the success habits of e-commerce CEOs. And not being data-driven once a month, the e-commerce world moves way too quickly for that. I would say if you're generating above $25,000 a month, you probably want to be looking at your analytics pretty much every other day or every day. If you're above 50000 for sure, every day. Anything below that, I would try like once a week if you can get into that habit. But if you can do more great because success always leaves clues in the data. So that can be a really big entry point. So the second successful habit of e-commerce CEOs is that they embrace their role. So this is one of the things that I see is such a challenge with particularly female founders. They're number one, scared to call themselves anything. And not to say that title is everything because it's not. Um, And sometimes titles are total BS, but you really need to embrace that role of leader and CEO or founder, whatever you're going to call it in your business. And really that you are the boss. You're not the maker. You know, you're not the artisan because a lot of those titles, although I have so much respect for artists and makers. They kind of uh, supersede the responsibility of leading a team and growing a brand. And as an e-commerce founder, the most successful CEOs I know in this space, they're really brand leaders. Like they really take over the business. They lead the brand strategy, the HR strategy, everything. They're not just a maker and artist. Yes, they may have some of those attributes. And maybe some of them are creative directors or fashion designers. And those are great act, actual extra titles too. But they are at fundamentally the leader, the head, the CEO, the head boss, whatever you want to call it, of the brand. So really embrace that role and let everybody know that that's your role. You're not just the creator or maker or product production person. You are the boss. All right. The next success habit is consistency. So we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but there is really something magical about being consistent with not only showing up to your work every day, because as entrepreneurs, we don't have bosses. So some of us have a problem with that. I don't personally have that problem, but I know that during the pandemic, I've definitely had afternoons where I was like, you know what? I've had enough. I'm done. I'm just going to go watch reality TV. (laughs) I can't deal with this anymore you know, as your own boss, you have to hold yourself accountable, which is really, really challenging, right? But the consistency of showing up day after day as a boss in your business is really key. And that bleeds down to everything you do. So that's consistently launching products, developing new products, launching new initiatives, promotions, showing up on social media, the most successful brands I know are very consistent in their execution. If you're posting like once every five days on social media and sending out a newsletter once a month and maybe doing a promotion once a year, you are likely leaving a lot of money on the table. And not that this is all about money, but you need money to grow. You need money for impact. You know, Oftentimes, money becomes a very taboo topic, specifically with brands that have a purpose-driven mission or sustainability into them. But the reality is we need money. That's how I pay my staff. That's how I hire, you know, senior team members. That's how... We pay for photo shoots and pay interns and models, and that's how we buy inventory. I can't buy inventory on hope and a prayer. It doesn't work. I need actual money to do that. So the more money you make, the more impact you can have. So don't be afraid from that, but definitely be consistent. All right, the third habit of successful e-commerce CEOs is they define what done looks like. So when you're setting goals, you set Smart goals, not just goals like we're going to grow this year, guys. We are going to be the best in our category. We are going to dominate underwear. You set what that looks like for your team because otherwise you'll never know when you hit there. And the problem with e-commerce is that the target can start to move very quickly as we've seen over the past year and a bit. Um, you know, previous to that, you would have thought, well, loungewear market is, you know, maybe whatever it was, I don't know, billion dollars. It's probably like $5 billion now because so many people immediately shifted to wearing loungewear throughout the pandemic. So if you were like, I'm going to dominate under loungewear last year and mentally maybe you had that goal. I'm going to get like 50% market share, which is pretty aggressive, but let's just use that as an example. And then all of a sudden it changed. It's like, whoa, now the goal is like really different for you. So make sure you're setting goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. So when you're setting a goal for like this quarter, for example, define what that is. What do you want your revenue to grow by and by when? So let's say for May. So what is your revenue goal? Let's say it's $100,000. How much is that up versus April? How much is it up versus last year? What are the key metrics that are going to drive that? Make goals that make sense because otherwise they're going to really stress your team out or stress yourself out and the fact that they're not going to be achievable. All right. So the fourth habit of e-commerce CEOs is that they set boundaries. This is so important and really difficult because one thing you're going to realize as you start to get more successful is that people are going to want to pick your brain. You know, all those years that you spent figuring out that formula for that lip balm and finding a manufacturer who would do, you know, a thousand pieces and do your labels. Somebody's going to come knocking and say, Hey, I was just, you know, just starting this brand and I just was wondering who your suppliers are. Or they'll be like, Hey, I'm starting a brand and I was just hoping to pick your brain or, Hey, I know your friend, blah, blah, blah. You know, they said they, they you would talk to me about building an e-commerce brand. You know, it's so hard because I think as empathetic leaders, we want to help everybody, but a lot of us suffer from a really big time deficit as entrepreneurs, specifically in the product space space, because there's so many multiple priorities that we have to deal with. And if you're not a professional coach You know, I coach, so I have paid offerings, but oftentimes people who want to pick your brain, let's be clear, they don't want to pay you for your time. They just want to borrow your ear for 15, 20 minutes for free. So I get a variety of those requests pretty much on a daily basis, mainly through LinkedIn, but sometimes through email where people want me to mentor them for the whole year or they want to just email me every time they have a question Or they want, you know, an hour to hear about my story. So I always try and do my best. I'll take a couple of them here and there and do like a 15 minute call. And I encourage you, if you have the time to do that, that's great. Or you could join a more formal mentoring program where you become an actual mentor, not paid, but just through a more formal process. Or you could also start coaching and charge for your time. But I encourage you to come up with a really good response email that makes people feel acknowledged, gives them some resources and sends them along their way if you don't have time for that. Because that's just the reality is that people will ask because they're just, you know, remember how you felt when you first started your business, you felt pretty desperate. I know I did. I was like, oh my God, like if somebody could just tell me a factory that could make leggings, it would be so helpful. And for sure, uh, there was a couple critical people along the way for me who helped me out. So I always use that lens when approaching the situations. But at the end of the day, you don't have endless time. So set strong boundaries. Also, this means saying no to opportunities sometimes, even if they look juicy. So oftentimes, like I'm a big proponent of the traction process um, by Gino Wickman. Amazing book. Have a read of it. And that's all about focusing in on your priorities for the quarter. So if you are developing a brand and you have a small team, or maybe it's just you, you have to be very, very focused. And if somebody comes along and wants to do, you know, a big cross promotion and co-brand a shirt or something like that, and that's not in your plans, it can be really tempting to say yes to it, but you really have to ask yourself the question, at what cost? Because there's always a cost, whether it's your time, your energy, your resources, you know, most collaborations and partnerships are not free. They do take time and, and money. So you really have to be clear about where your boundaries are around stuff like that. The fifth success habit of e-commerce CEOs. I would say for any CEO, it's just for maintaining that work-life balance. It is so hard. I'm not going to call it balance because I kind of hate that word. But I would say it's work-life integration. So figuring out, you know, when your day starts and ends, figuring out how you can engage with exercise throughout the day, how you can eat healthy even if you don't have the time. These things are so, so critical because they will become the last thing. And your family, your friends, your business will start to become your priority and then you're going to wake up one day. And have searing nerve pain and not be able to move like I was. So I'm trying to prevent some accidents from happening here. And it was because I didn't prioritize my health properly. Sure, I was working out. Sure, I was eating relatively healthy. But my posture was crap. And if you're sitting at a dining room chair made out of plastic for a year at an improper height table or hunched on a couch, typing on your laptop till 1am every evening, of course your back is going to go out. So please take a page from my book and try to do things differently. Try to get yourself a really great desk setup. It's a write off. I know that doesn't mean it's free, but get yourself a standing desk if you can that goes up and down. Just got one of those amazing. Get yourself a nice comfy boss chair. Awesome. Make sure you have the right height a great mouse, a great keyboard. These types of things for e-commerce digital CEOs, like we're in front of the computer most of the time. Let's be real. So you want to make that setup just epically amazing. And then last but not least, movement. Get up and move throughout the day. Go for walks, do a workout, do something, and make sure you're fueling your body with really healthy stuff. All right. The sixth success habit of e-commerce CEOs is that they get to know each other. So they network. This was one of my goals, ironically, for 2020, but was to get to know more e-commerce CEOs. So why do you think that all the funding goes to male founders in the VC space? Well, obviously, inherent biases aside, a lot of it has to do with network. These people are very well networked. Male Um, founders tend to have bigger networks than female founders. And I know there's a ton of bias, obviously. And like it's been shown and proven that if a woman has a business plan that's like more viable than a man, it's more likely the man's going to get the money if his presentation was better. There's so much bias. I get it. But one of the fundamental ways we can start breaking through that is to create our own networks. So if you have the opportunity to meet other e-commerce or product based or service based founders that are female in your space or in your area, do that. One of my biz besties runs a yoga and wellness studio for moms and you know when I met her I was like mm, what do I have in common with her like you know who knows. But you know what I have so much in common with her even though it's a totally different business model we deal with a lot of the same aches and pains of growing a business and ups and downs. So she became my biz bestie. So I want to have more biz besties. I think it's really great to have like You know, five or seven go to founders in your space or outside of your space who you can lean on for advice, or maybe they've done something before that you haven't done. Like, as an example, there's a great founder that I know through a friend of a friend. You know, she's got a lot of experience with grant writing. So she's an incredible resource for stuff like that. I have another founder I know who is really great with manufacturing. So she always has resources for that. And definitely make these mutual beneficial two-way relationships, but make sure they're rooted in trust and genuine, authentic connections. And, you know, quite honestly, most of my, most of my friends right now are entrepreneurs because that's just the way it goes because entrepreneurship isn't just a nine to five. It is a whole lifestyle. Okay. The seventh success habit of e-commerce CEOs is they have a vision. So they know what they're going after, not just in this quarter or this month, but they have a year vision. They have a three-year, a five-year vision. They know what they're aiming for. They know what they want this brand to be and to do and to look like. So if you're really struggling with this, again, I'm going to reiterate the book, Traction by Gino Wickman, Check it out. Go through the process for developing the VTO, the Vision Traction Organizer, in there and map out what your three or five year vision looks like for the business. It may seem scary, it may actually seem ridiculous because I remember when I was making $5,000, not even, let's go back, when I was making like $138 a month at Encircled. And so the idea of doing, you know, close to $400,000 would have been like, whoa, that's crazy but it's possible. And it's only possible if you can think that big. So now what seems impossible to me may be like a seven figure month, but it's right there. It's actually not that far off. So setting those big vision and having that big goal is not only good for you, but it energizes your team. It keeps them focused and it helps when you start bringing more senior people on board because they want to see that you have that clarity in your brand as well. All right. The eighth success habit of e-commerce CEOs is they are agile. So you need to be quick pivoters. You cannot get obsessed with your ideas and run it through, even though it's a really crappy idea. You need to be able to be agile, to pivot. As we've seen the last year, people, if they decided, I saw some people really early on the pandemic decide that they were just going to You know, put all their resources against fighting the lockdown with the government and fighting the fact that their retail storefront had to close. I know it was awful for those businesses who had retail only storefronts, but what I would have done is probably put that energy into setting up an online store because, you know, months later, and years later, it's still going on. So, you know, if you had the jump on building that into your business model and building a website and building the processes versus wasting energy on that, which was going to go nowhere, you know, it doesn't make sense. So the people who fail in these businesses are the people who get really obsessed and fall in love with really dumb ideas quite honestly. You have to be objective about your ideas. Not all products are winners, that is for sure. And you can't get too obsessed with your product ideas. You have to really have this objective view. I listened to a podcast episode the other day with the founder of Farm Girl Flowers, and it's a $100 million brand now. And she basically started with $40,000 in you know her own savings so inspiring and she said you know when people ask my story about the flowers and why I got into it I say it wasn't because I love flowers I just thought it was a neat business model and it's often like really horrifying to people because they expect her to have some like grand story about like growing up in her grandmother's garden or something like that and I'm not saying you shouldn't be passionate about what you do because you should be and you should feel a lot of love and heart for it definitely But don't be obsessed with your ideas if they're bad, because there's some business models out there that are just bad. They don't make sense. And you can't, you could throw hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars against them. And if it's still a bad idea, it's still a bad idea. And I've even come across that specifically with products. Like I just think some products just don't work for us. Like We came out with this really beautiful product at Encircled a couple of years ago called the Dressy Robe. Ironically, we were just selling out of it as the pandemic kit um, and we were about to launch it in this kit called the homebody kit, which was also ironic because that was pre-pandemic decision and we then pulled it. But anyways, really beautiful robe had like dressy elements on it. It was meant for like, you know, a cardi kind of robe situation where you can wear out of your home or at home, really beautiful, sustainable Modal fabric. But guess what? That product costs so much to make because the yardage of the fabric, the fabric is certified, it's sustainable, it's very expensive. So the price point on that, it was high. I think it was 198. And I mean, it's a beautiful piece, but It's not gonna be that piece that people are gonna wanna invest in. Like maybe they're more likely to invest in a jumpsuit at that price versus a cardigan. So we ended up discontinuing it just because the math didn't work. I love that product. I have it. I love it. I wear it, but it just doesn't make sense. When we put it on sale, people bought it. But guess what? At that price, we're barely making any money. So I could have said, well, you know what? Let's relaunch it at $148 and then I'll sell like hotcakes. But guess what? then we wouldn't have made any money. And that's not a good business decision. So successful e-commerce CEOs know when to hold them and they know when to fold them, that's for sure. All right. So those are some success habits of e-commerce CEOs. I was so happy to share those with you today. If you enjoyed this episode, please screenshot it and tag me on Instagram at Chrissy Sumer, and please rate and review. And if you haven't already, and you're interested in up-leveling your game on email marketing, head on over to my website to join the webinar, 5 Ways to 5X Your Email Revenue. It's a 60-minute free training, so you got nothing to lose there. And there's promo code for my email course, which is awesome and the perfect antidote to all the bullshit going on with Facebook ads right now. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next week.